How's that? Could you guys hear anything I said to the kids? Okay. Well, it was just between us anyway. Um, also, the youth are leaving as well. Um, youth are going to be with Marchant downstairs, and we also bless you. May God be with you there as well. So, um, we've got a small group. I wish we could just get in a circle and chat. Um, but So, today we are continuing our series uh, asking the question, why church? Why do we get together? We've, we've talked about the fact that uh, we don't come to church, we are the church, that the church is those called out, and we are both gathered and sent. And when we are gathered, why church? Uh, the question is, uh, we, we, our first week we talked about the fact that in uh, the Old Testament talks about one thing that happens when we gather is we're anointed to be God's people, and we encourage one another to be God's people. So what are we encouraging one another to do? Last week we talked about why church? To rendezvous with God, to come together and, and be in the presence of God together and to worship God in spirit and in truth. Today we're going to talk about why church? Because when we are together we are anointed and encouraged to share good news. Uh, another way, these, these purposes of the church that I'm going through actually come from the Presbyterian Church USA, which I know a lot of, listen, let me tell you, I don't care about denominations uh, in terms of preserving an institution, but the truth is Christians uh, in this country are Christians in different ways. And the way that we are Christian together, uh, so I often say it's not so much I'm a Presbyterian, I'm Christian in a Presbyterian way, is, uh, is, is the Presbyterian way. We can talk more about that, but one of the things is that the PCUSA uh, has this list from centuries ago about uh, what, is it, what is the church called to do? And they're all grounded in scripture. And today we're going to talk about the one that uh, says we are called to proclaim the gospel for the salvation of humankind. So we're going to try to break all that down. It's a mouthful. But we're going to start by looking at the scriptures from which this emerges. Uh, so let us pray. Gracious God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, may these ancient words be new to us this day, for you are doing a new thing. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, our rock, our redeemer, our savior, the one whom we follow. Amen. Somebody is just not happy. <clears throat> so our two passages today, for each of these, as we think about why church, what are we called to do? Uh, to rendezvous with God, to share good news. We're, they're coming from scripture passages. The first one today is a, uh, from the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures, Isaiah 52. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Good news who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. I love that song that we were singing. Lead us on into your reign. God reigns. God, God's rule is everywhere, 
not completely. We live in the time of already and not yet. And so we go out looking for where is God at work, and we work with God. Okay, Luke 19. I'm going to read from, um, uh, this is Luke 19, 1 through 9. It's a story that maybe some of you know. You maybe heard, uh, maybe learned a little song about uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. I see a lot of heads going, da, 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 da. Okay, so it's about Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus because Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried down and he was happy to welcome Jesus. And all who saw it began to grumble and said, Jesus has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'll pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. The word of the Lord. Can I get somebody to get me of some water? Of course, the one time I didn't bring it, I feel like I'm going to choke. Okay. <clears throat> um, thank you. So I wonder how you feel when you hear that you're called to share good news. Does it make you nervous? Does it make you think of, oh, the times I had the opportunity but didn't take it? What is it you think that means? What do you think that means? Maybe you think, well, that's just what preachers do. That's just what the ministers do. They share good news. I just come and, you know, Again, the consumeristic model. I, I consume religious services here, but like all the real work that the, the professionals do. That's not it. We are the church. You are not consumers in this place. You are called to be participants in the mission of the church, and one of those things that we are called to do is to share good news, to proclaim the gospel for the salvation of humankind. So it might be good if we kind of break down what exactly that means. Let's, let's just break it down. We proclaim, thank you so much, Joe. We proclaim good news. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget years ago, many years ago, when I was first starting out in ministry, um, there was a, a, a documentary on TV called The Merchants of Cool. And it was basically about how advertisers are like honed in on teenagers and selling them cool and making them feel as if their whole identity is as consumers. 
Now, there's versions of that now with like, what's the social dilemma, right? Like they're doing the same thing. And I remember one, we, I was at a conference for youth ministers and I remember one very distraught youth minister was like, after seeing the video, how in the world do we compete with that? And one very wise young youth leader raised her hand and said, I don't think we do. We're not marketing God. We're proclaiming good news. And that is different. We are not selling anything. We are not marketers of God. Salvation is not a transaction. Uh, Dick Halverson, who was the chaplain of the Senate for a long time, but before he was that, he was a minister at um, uh, Fourth Pres in Washington, D.C., in Bethesda, Maryland, actually, and I worked there as a teenager. I was on their staff. And one of the things he said, I, I, can't, I couldn't remember the quote exactly, but basically he was like, the church started out as men and women in the presence of the living Christ, convinced that there was a power in the love that they were experiencing, a power to change the world. And then he goes on, he goes, it went to Greek and became a philosophy. It went to Rome and became an empire. It went to, I, anyway, but then he says, and then it came to North America and became an enterprise, a business, a transaction. Here's a little pamphlet for spiritual laws. You take that, you say the magic words and you're in. But is that salvation? I mean, you see it everywhere. And this is what, I, I mean, I just want you to think with me for a minute. If you've ever asked or been asked, are you saved? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? In American Christianity, it has come to mean in the popular culture, have you escaped the wrath of an angry God? And you see this everywhere. Again, it's, it's an enterprise, it's a business. There used to be, I used to drive a lot from Athens to, um, to uh, Atlanta, and there was a billboard. Remember when those billboards were out that were like signed by God? They were just black with white letters. And it said, don't make me come down there. God. Is that the good news? Is that the good news of salvation? I remember um, when I was interviewing with the PNC of a new church development in Athens, and... Uh, and I said something like, you know, my primary sense of call is as an evangelist. And they looked at me like, oh my gosh. And I said, no, I mean, I just, I'm sharing good news. That's, that's what I'm all about. And not long after, uh, they called me, and uh, not long after that, I was walking into a UGA game with some friends. And there was a very large guy standing there with signs and screaming about drunkards are going to hell. You better get saved. You better get saved. And one of those drunkards 
um, strolls up to the guy and goes, now wait a minute, let me get this straight. I'm going to go to hell for drinking a few beers. And then he like pokes the guy in his very large stomach. It's like, I think you've been eating too many Big Macs. And uh, <laughs> I guess I'll see you there, gluttony. And uh, I, I mean, it, it got very intense and very uncomfortable. And the people I was with, the, the, one of my friends goes, you know why I'm not a Christian, don't you? Tongue in cheek. So is that evangelism? Now, most of us absolutely know we're not going to stand on the corner and scream for, you know, the drunkards to repent. But I do wonder if you've had in your mind when I asked you, uh, what does it mean to share good news? Like, do you think, oh, you know, at the proverbial, you know, water fountain at work or wherever you were, the coffee shop, like, did I miss an opportunity? To tell people, do this so you get this? Do this so you escape the wrath of an angry God? Is that the good news? Is that salvation? I just want us to think about that today. Because the biblical vision of salvation might be broader than that, more than that, bigger than that. So I don't know what you do in the week, during the week to connect with God, but do a word search on the word salvation and read it all through the Bible and see, try to read it with a beginner's mind, not with what you've always thought. Because my own view of what salvation is has evolved over the years primarily from reading the Bible. So let's take a look today at a time when Jesus announces salvation has come. This story is so rich with Zacchaeus. It's so rich. I, I mean, I wish we could spend like six weeks just on Zacchaeus because there's so much to talk about. I'm guessing many of you have heard sermons on Zacchaeus before. You know that he was a wealthy tax collector. That meant that he worked for the Roman Empire, which was oppressive. That meant that he supervised a lot of other tax collectors because he was the chief tax collector. It meant probably, because this was the assumption, that he exploited people. He became rich off of the backs of the poor. And he was not well-liked. I've always thought the real proof of that is that he was short in stature, but he still had to climb the tree to see Jesus. You know, normally if someone is shorter than you, you say, oh, sure, get in front. I just think in my imagination, like, people were like, I am not letting Zacchaeus in front of me. I don't care how short he is. I don't care if I can see over him. He's a cheat. He's a crook. So Zacchaeus climbs the tree. And again, there's so much to talk about here, but I want to get to Jesus' proclamation that salvation has come to his house. And what does that mean? So here's the story of Zacchaeus. We read it. People are grumbling. 
He's with that guy. And Zacchaeus stands up. He, do, he doesn't announce how he feels about Jesus. He doesn't. He just stands up and says, I give whatever it was, how much, what was his income? What did he say? <laughs> half. Give half of my positions, possessions. And if I've cheated anybody, I'll pay it back four times. And Jesus says, salvation has come. Zacchaeus, do we assume he repented? Do we assume he has committed his life to following in the way of Jesus? I don't know. I don't know. The the text doesn't say anything about that. The text says he stood up and said, I am going to make my relationships right with the people I have wronged. And Jesus says, salvation has come. Now, here's a really interesting thing. Can we put up the slides? I want to, I want to, I only learned this really very recently. Because is that the way you guys have heard the Zacchaeus story? Zacchaeus, after Jesus comes to his house, then he, then he says, I will give. Now, an interesting thing is, I'm going to, this is, um, is that, that that verb in the actual text is not future tense. It's present tense. So again, I, I always say, like, check me on this, but here's, here's a little check. This is the New King James. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give, not I will give, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. Here's the message, which again is a translation, not a paraphrase. Eugene Peterson was a a biblical scholar. Zacchaeus just stood there a little stunned. He stammered apologetically, Master, I give away half my income to the poor, and if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times in the damages. All right, now let's read the next two. In the NIV, which we read today, Zacchaeus stands up and says, look, Lord, no, I'm sorry, we read the uh, NRSV. Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated, I will pay back. So they're, they're still got here and now I give. They're still kind of hanging on to the present tense, but also making it future tense. The NRSV, Jesus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. So, have we been reading it wrong? I don't know. I don't know, I wasn't there. But let's just say we read it the other way. Let's just say we read it that all these people are grumbling because Jesus is with this terrible sinner and we know what tax collectors are like. We know what those people are like. We know. And Zacchaeus stands up and says, maybe maybe you didn't know that I give half of my possessions away and I always pay back people if I've done them wrong. And Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. Maybe the salvation was that 
those who were so harshly judging Zacchaeus see him in a new light, and now they are in a right relationship with Zacchaeus, seeing him as a child of God. That's what Jesus says. He is a son of Abraham. Another way of saying he's one of us. I don't know which one it is, but either way, either way, the salvation to which Jesus points is the right relationships are being restored. Right relationships. This is what Isaiah, the Old Testament, the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, restoration, reconciliation. This is what Ephesians says. In Christ, the barriers that divide us are broken down, and Christ is our peace. Corinthians says we are ministers of reconciliation, of bringing about peace with God and with others. That's salvation, biblically speaking. Read the Bible this week. I want to tell you about my friend's sister, Simone Campbell. She's a recipient of the uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom for her work on behalf of the poor. I've become friends with her. And she recently, I, I become uncomfortable sometimes. I'm like one of the Pharisees who's like, you're having lunch with that guy? He's a white nationalist. But Sister Simone shares the good news of salvation, of healing, of the hope of restored relationships amongst all God's children. Recently, she's, she's been touring the South. She wants to understand the volatility in the South. So she, she wrote a little letter to some of her friends each day. She said, I just, this was her thing, I just want to have conversations about the reality of people's lives. I want to understand them. I want to ask them where do they find hope or where are they lacking hope? So she tells me one day that she's on this, she sends this to our group of friends. I've realized that if I really want to understand more about the South, I need to go to a gun show. You might imagine Sister Simone isn't interested in being at a gun show. I mean, I, my heart started beating fast when I read it. I was like, don't go to a gun show. But Sister Simone <laughs> proclaims the good news of the healing 
of the cosmos, the healing of humankind. And she does it not by saying, um, are you saved? But by saying, tell me about you. Tell me, where are you finding hope? Where do you need hope? Help me understand. Because salvation, the presence of Christ, is where relationships are restored. It's where relationships are made right. Proclaiming the good news of the healing power that we have come to know in Jesus Christ. That's what we do here in church every week, and that is what we encourage and equip one another to do out in the world. Because the power of love, the reign of God, the kingdom of God has come on earth, but not completely. And we can go out into the world and look for where God is at work, redeeming, restoring, bringing peace, and we come alongside into that conversation and help break down the barriers that separate us. That's what it means to gather here, to give our lives, offer our lives to the love that can transform us and through us the world. I bet, I bet if you thought about sharing good news that way, you might think of some opportunities you would have to do that this week. Amen. I'd like to invite Cease to come forward. Cease Webster, who is a member of the PNC, she is on your leadership team, and um, she is going to invite us to offer our lives to Christ and to sharing the good news of salvation, of Christ's healing power.
Okay. 
or we can express it in the form of a request. Here's where I need to see and experience the good news of the salvation of Jesus. And so Mark is going to come on up. He's going to take this microphone. I'm going to trade with Ryan. And if you have uh, something that you would like to share, something that we would pray, pray, uh, pray for you, uh, please just stand up. Mark will flag you down. Share your name and your request. And we 